Hello and welcome to Persistent and Nasty Podcast. This is our Edinburgh Festival Fringe 2019 series. Throughout this series, we will be talking to women of the fringe, from producers to directors, writers and performers. We hope you enjoy all of the podcasts and get along to see as much of it as you can. This podcast was recorded at Assembly Club Bar with thanks to Sharon Burgess, Danny Ray, Connell, Chris and all of the staff at the club bar. As we are recording out and about, you may hear some background noise. Hopefully it won't affect too much, but it might just give you the vibe and atmosphere of the festival. So sit back, relax and enjoy some persistent and nasty women. Hi, I'm Emma, I'm the producer of Bobby and Amy. Hi, I'm Kim and I'm an actor in Bobby and Amy. Hi, I'm Emily and I'm the writer and director of Bobby and Amy. Hi, I'm Katie and I'm the assistant producer of Bobby and Amy. <laughs> Thank you, a wonderful all-female crew here, which is really exciting. We've just seen Bobby and Amy and it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it, absolutely was. I've literally just said to all of the lovely ladies that it's one of the best pieces of theatre I've seen in quite a while so you guys Aww. better get your tickets quickly thank you very yes, much please. Yes, <laughs> absolutely book, book, book. Well. and producer says here that Monday is about to sell out oh very oh, fabulous yes. yes. good news one day is going quickly put <laughs> 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 that in <laughs> so do you, did you know each other before this project have you worked together before um, not at all so um <laughs> 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 but it's the last time. Uh, no, we're all best friends now. Um, no, so I, I wrote the play and decided I wanted to put it on. Um, and um, so I applied for the Vault Festival, which is a big festival in London, um, just to do the show for kind of a tester run. Um, and I was looking for a producer and a friend of our, a friend of mine, a mutual friend of ours, recommended Emma and said that she was bloody brilliant. So met with Emma and it turned out she was bloody brilliant. <laughs> and um, we never looked back, really. Oh. Yeah, she's been looking after me ever since. Fabulous. Very much that? Mutual. November. November, yeah, last year. Yeah, a meeting Emily sort of gave me the courage and the play sort of made me feel as though this should be the first time that I produce something on my own. So we opened up Emma Blackman Productions and I think what was really interesting in the process with Emily was we were starting to think of the tech team and we just started to throw out names into the air of people that we've worked with before and we just noticed that lots of them were white cisgendered men. Um, and whilst we've got here a director and writer who's female uh, identifying, I'm a producer, I'm female identifying and we we're like let's create a whole crew like you know there's so much talk about having women more on stage but where's about having women backstage as well so that's why we decided that we were going out to make a 100% female identifying creative crew for the show which has been fab yeah it's been brilliant yeah that is really amazing and refreshing to see and the results are on stage because it's absolutely brilliant so good <laughs> We um, do have to say that your male counterpart is. Yes. <laughs> He's fine too. Yeah. 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 I mean, they've had enough compliments over the centuries. Yeah. 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 Um, 
So tell us a bit about writing the play. Uh, is it your first play? No, it's not. Um, but it's my big return to the fringe. Ah. Um, so my first play I wrote um, was called Rainbow, and I brought it. I wrote it and directed and brought it to the fringe seven years ago now. Um, and it went quite well. Won a cheeky fringe first, didn't it? Yeah. Quite well. <laughs> thanks, thanks for throwing that into me there. It. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's cringe if I say it myself. So yes, it went. You'll blow that. So yeah, so it went well, and <laughs> and then since then I've been doing more writing and directing, but mostly in London. Um, and amazingly, I, I was lucky enough to have a show on in the West End in 2017 called Cookies. Um, but I wrote this play. Um, I wrote the first draft in 2014 and it's just been one that I that's really close to my heart because it's kind of set it's in a fictional fictional version of where I grew up which is a little rural community in um, Gloucestershire um, and the kind of townspeople and what happened when um, foot and mouth hit the country and you know when the fields of my town got taped up um, and so I've been I've been writing it for a long time and developing it and I've done readings and rehearsed readings and um, it finally got to the point where it felt ready to um, to bring to the fringe so that's that's kind of how it got here fabulous we're just going to have a wee pause where we all get our alcohol absolutely <laughs> and our green tea yeah our green tea <laughs> you do you I do me do you so yeah so seven year break between between fringes yeah. Yeah. It's all the same, but very different. Okay. <laughs> um, so some of the venues have moved. Uh-huh, they have. <laughs> C venues has gone. <laughs> yep. Uh, very much been axed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sass in the corner. <laughs> Thank you so much. Persistent and Nasty have officially have no thoughts either way about sea venues. Just <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've disclaimer here. Small disclaimer. That's getting cut. Um, yeah. So it's it's nice to be. It's really nice to be back and just surrounded by so many exciting artists and amazing work that everyone's making. And you know, it's just the fringe is a really really amazing but difficult place to be and the amount of money you have to put in oh, to get a show up like you know you can get exhausted with people giving you flyers but actually you've just got to have such admiration and the, for the tenacity of people making art and putting it out there and coming up to this festival so it's just a really nice environment to be around mm. yeah. just um, out of curiosity if any of you before this project worked on any other projects that had an all-female yeah, yeah. I, I've worked on a few um, and they've all been just really lovely experiences actually um, and just real celebrations of everyone that's in the room. I think sometimes, um, or actually the first all-female all show that I did, um, when I told people it was all-female, a lot of responses were like, oh, and is it a bit, is it a bit bitchy? Oh. How, how, is everyone getting along? And actually they're the sort of happiest cast that I've been in and the most supportive cast that I've been in and the most I've laughed throughout any rehearsal process. Um, so yeah, but but I think in terms of in terms of backstage, I haven't um, had so much interaction with female lighting designers and sound designers, and that I mean, those girls just blow me away. In the cast, they were just incredible the whole time. Yeah. I was watching them and thinking, wow, how they just absolutely blow me away with what they do. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so weird to see that. Like it's amazing that you guys, you're 
behind the scenes crew. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly sound and lights, that's just so often the realm of men. You just don't get many women coming through, mm. um, either by assumption that it is a male-dominated field or, I, I don't know, maybe... What do you, what, what's your take on that as a, as a team? I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Um, I think there are as many women training. Yeah. But I think it's that standard thing of just the innate and unconscious bias towards men in that in that area, um, particularly white cis men, really. Um, I was talking to a, a female sound designer um, the other day, and she was saying, you know, oh, I, you know, she's on the way to forty, and she's incredible but she was genuinely thinking I don't know what to do once I pass 40 because I don't think I'm going to get any work and it's like what the hell has her age got to do with sound design yeah but she's like I genuinely don't have any role models to look at I can't I look around me and there are very few women older than me working and I just, you know, and it's, it's, I mean, if there's any job that has nothing to do with what you're do you know what I mean? But yeah. she's like, this, but the world that she is in is, is just pervasively male, mm. you know, and it's, you know, as women, there is, still feels like there's a cutoff point of age, you know, yeah. when it's completely irrelevant to the job. So I, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not a lighting designer or a sound designer, so I can't speak for myself, but that's what she was relaying to me, which is... The sound design of the show is gorgeous. It is really, it's really, really so Diana Mullen. Big shout Diana. out to her. She is incredible. She's absolutely yeah. amazing. We've got the wonderful lighting designer, Holly Ellis. Uh-huh. Uh, at the bot, we had Bethany Gutwell, who's okay. working now on her show at Charing Cross, so unfortunately couldn't join us over here. And the amazing operator and stage manager, Roshan Khan. Uh, you will see that her name is most probably on... I don't know, I think she's operating 120 shows at Fringe. She's not. But that's what it feels like. That's what it feels like. Absolutely stunkingly amazing. And we got to meet Katie. Um, there is a Facebook group, and if any of your listeners don't know about it, they should definitely join, and it's called Bossy. Yes. Uh, which is female creatives um, and people that like the arts, I think. Yes. It's slightly expanded now, hasn't it? Yes. Um, and Katie gave a shout out uh, on. Well, you you tell us. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I go to Edinburgh Uni, um, and I was already doing a show in the Fringe. And I was kind of like, but I wanted to get some more kind of professional producing experience because hopefully I'd like to go into producing. Um, so I was kind of like, oh, see who I can meet. So I just did a post on Bossy that was. <clears throat> that was just saying, like, I'd love to work on any shows if anyone's looking for anyone in a, already going to be in Edinburgh, so I'd love to help out if I can. And Emma got in contact, and the show sounded amazing. We had a great phone chat, and I was like, yeah, this sounds great. So then me and Emma have been working together and doing different bits, so, like, I've been helping with marketing and that kind of stuff. Literally, it couldn't <laughs> happen without her, basically. Yeah. Being very modest, but lifesaver, so... Yeah, Katie's been amazing, just... Yeah, just take helping... Take the Thank you very much. I'm going to see a number. A number, please, yeah. It's um, it's sh- another show I'm working on that does have a 100% female creative team, which is fun. We're on at Paradise in Augustine's, and it's like a farcical comedy kind of... Our tagline is the 39 steps, but with actual roles for women. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's the other show I'm working on. Great. 
Any of you worked with at, at any point any old female so cast? I'm a producer and programmer for Theatre yep. Delicatessen in London. Um, it's a beautiful old library in the middle of Camberwell. And when people come and I happen to be standing next to a taller man, they all go to the man, oh, so do you run the venue? And you just go... Because <laughs> I, like, I, I really... I, I'm nasty and persistent. I should be clocked in a room as the running of the show. It's one of the things I admire the most about Emma, that she's just, if something goes wrong, she's just like, yeah, no, I'm just going to make that right. And, and she's like, um, these, these stickers, the font's too small, so I'm going to get a refund. Like, yeah, they don't great. know yet, but At the moment, Theatre Daily is run by Jessica Brewster. She's the artistic director of uh, the theatre. And there's myself, who programmes and produce down in the Old Library and up in Sheffield uh, Theatre Daily. We've got Sarah, who produces over there. And it just feels like now we're a really female, strong-led company, which yes. is lush, mm. really lovely. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Um, I really want to ask a couple of questions about writing. Oh God, I don't know anything about writing. <laughs> well, sure. I have to disagree having seen, <laughs> seen your show. Um, I'm fascinated by the, the whole class element of the play. Mm. I find it really interesting, really touching. I am from Ayrshire originally, so I was probably about 19 when the whole yeah, uh, yeah. foot and mouth thing happened. So, when that started, I could feel myself like, oh god, it was like really taking me back. So yeah, I just wanted to chat to you about that because to see it from a female writer's point of view is really interesting because I wonder what a male would have seen from it. Oh, that's a really interesting question, actually. Um, I mean, I don't know. I can only yeah. I can only say what I saw, but I suppose it was. There's a kind of. It's hard to describe, but I just remember just before I started writing the play, going back to my town and feeling, and just looking around, and it's still absolutely stunning. You know, it's got old Cotswold stone, there's a river, there's a church, there's beautiful fields, there is an old folly. Um, and, but there was something in it, and I don't know, it might have been just what I was going through at the time, but there was a kind of sense of loss. Does that make sense? Yeah. And maybe it's just kind of that aging and returning to the place that you grew up. But there was also this, you know, we used to just run around and play in the fields. It used to be this kind of, you know, quintessentially idyllic, kind of rural idyll but I also remember like I didn't have a great time at school I got bullied a lot and I didn't like have a great time growing up so there was this kind of like it's beautiful but it's also quite oppressive mm -hmm. feeling and I was that was kind of a feeling that I was kind of exploring in the play and the, the fields the day the fields got taped up like everyone's world just got shut down you know, because suddenly, you know, we were frolicking in the fields and then suddenly we're confined to concrete and tarmac, you know, and there was literal barriers that just isolated these tiny communities onto pavements and we couldn't travel between different places, you know, um, not to mention the, the, you know, the damage to farmers economically, but also, you know, I remember when we had the show at the vaults, I remember someone coming to see it and they were like, oh, my dad went completely bankrupt because his job was um, mending machinery. So the second that the fields got taped up, his, he went out of business because he didn't have 
a job anymore, you know? So it wasn't just farmers. Um, so a lot of the play is kind of exploring that kind of idea of the romantic idyll, but also kind of that feeling of being slowly oppressed and trapped. And I feel like a lot of local communities with the shift in, yeah, because foot and mouth, you know, six, 6.5 million cows and sheep and pigs were killed in six months. There were only 2,000 actual cases though. So most of the slaughter and culling was preventative measure, not, not to kind of, you know, not just the, the, the cows that were hit. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I'm answering your question, but it's... That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I think um, it also really shone a light on mental health and stigma yeah. behind the agriculture and farming mm. kind of profession. When you had these people that weren't used to showing feelings or expressing, you know, heart matters, suddenly this happened and suddenly you had all these people that were overflown with these kind of feelings that they didn't know how to deal with and yeah like in our research we found so many charities that are working on mm. shining a light on mental health of the farmers of the next generation and, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah maybe that's what I was thinking about not that I'm saying that a man couldn't have uh, written the emotional part of it because obviously there are fab fabulous male playwrights out there that can but there was just something I felt watching the show that was you opened up their emotions far more. Mm. You could, re as an audience member, I could feel every character's core. If yeah. that makes sense, like really, um, and that's obviously down. To I it. think that is down to the acting, to be but honest. But it also yeah, is well, like, and the, the right I, no, I think it is that you. I remember sitting down to read the script for the first time, and. You know, you look at this play as a script and it's just 60 million characters talking and it's quick and their lines are short and small. And So you would think it would be absolutely chaotic and difficult to get through, but I just read it and was like, great, I, 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 I see it all. Each of these characters is so crystal clear and what they want and who they are is so clear. Um, and so I think that really is just an absolute gift and it is totally in, in Emily's writing. Um, and definitely, I think, as you say, that there's a subtlety to it as well in that you do really see the heart of those people and how they're struggling, but it's not because they're pouring their heart out. It's, yeah. it's yeah. just, like, the small it's nuances real. of the way... It's, yeah. it's authentic. Yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. relate to it. You go, yeah. oh, yeah, in I get the, that. Um, like, there's the one line when you kind of see what, what Father Roger's going through when he's, like, in the pub and he's, like, another drink... Another one is. Yeah. 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 Um, and it's just kind of that kind of, oh, this is what he's going through and he doesn't know how to deal with it. And he's never dealt with anything like this before and just doesn't know what's, how, to, how to go about what he needs to do. Yeah, I think that's what's... I mean, that's what I enjoy in the theatre and I think what's most interesting is... I think human beings are most... In, number one, audiences are intelligent. Yeah. And I think a lot of... Um, theatre can underestimate how much someone can read something like what was so important to me writing it was none of the characters actually ever say how they feel there's not a single moment where a character says I feel this except for Amy's mum um, <laughs> but that's a whole other issue <laughs> um, uh, but um, yeah like I think the tragedy comes from people not being able to truthfully express how they feel mm. you know and being trapped within their again it's this oppressed thing you they were trapped within the town but i think most people are trapped within their own bodies in some way you know because we're not able to express how we feel or what we think and so all these characters are, are 
I think what you, you're connecting to is the fact that each one is finding another mechanism with which to cope, whether it's drink or, you know, lying to oneself about what's going on in one's house or... Do you know what I mean? It's... I think that's what's so powerful and I think that's why the acting is so good because actually there's nothing in the script at any point except for Farmer Rogers' letter, I don't want to give anything away, um, where any character says how they actually feel. So what you're seeing is them trying to hide that but you've just got incredible actors who are able to have that underneath yeah. and I think that's what you're connecting to and I think that's what really made Kim and Will shine in the audition process mm. it was that way of kind of you've got these characters like Uncle Ryan or I'm going to stay with him uh, no or Bobby's dad <laughs> um, that they're just presented as human beings and it's up to the again intelligent audience to make their judgment on these people and it was Kim and Will that really shined mm. in that way that this is a person you reflect whatever you want on them they're just a person and I think with that you sort of get to see bright sides of people that maybe you wouldn't normally see on them because they're made into this horrible horrible kind of caricature and that's patronising for the audience watching this yeah. because it's not giving them integrity of making that choice as yeah. to who they think that mm. is I think you're right, that's exactly what it is yeah. we don't judge, if you want to judge, do it but we've worked very hard not to judge any of the characters and I think that's I think that comes across yeah. really strongly I think that's why um, as an audience member you feel really drawn mm-hmm. to the characters and obviously in particular Bobby and Amy but mm. um, but yeah, like Farmer Roger, I was like <laughs> Farmer Roger, right. he's a babe. Right. Didn't we just want to meet him, right? The amazing thing is I feel like yeah. I have met him because I grew up in kind of like a countryside village as well. And I see that in so many of like the farmers that I know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Farmer Rog. Yeah. <laughs> and like I feel like it's the beauty of like the world that you've created is that the characters are so likable and so relatable in many ways to people that I do know and that all of us know if you grew up in that kind of environment that I'm like, yeah, I do know that person. Yeah, there's one of those in my village. That kind of idea. You said a really lovely thing when we were walking back about, I don't want to say your words. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, feel free because I can't remember them right now. Louise was just saying that it was, it's cinematic. Like um, you have managed to create, you go, because they were actually your words. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> okay, mansplaining what, here right here. <laughs> this right here is what's beautiful about all female environments. We're just like, no, no, you baby, it's your words. Like, I'm not going to take your words, you speak your words. I'm going to then no words are spoken. Um, yeah, I just thought it was, um, and it's, uh, for me it was a, the entire package, not just the acting and the writing, but the way it was directed and the sound. beautiful simplicity of the sound and lighting design. Mm. It just felt like watching a movie, even though it was just the two of you on yeah. stage. Um, the I mean, combined it skill be, of you everyone. Need to get selling that. Yeah. <laughs> Should not you? Yeah. Though? Halfway yeah. through, I mean, this is a TV series. This is a BBC yeah. TV mm. series. Mm. Cinematic in its scope yeah. and the way it made me feel, and I could see yeah. it all. Yeah. And I got chills. Yeah. Again, I'm not going to give too much away, but this, you know, when they return to the farm after the tapes come off and what happens to them happens to them after that, like I got genuine chills. It felt. Like oh, I cried. Oh, good. Times. Oh, I yeah. cry. Oh, I cry all the time when I watch cry. it. Every time. Like, Shit, hormonal. Oh, 
And my friend came on the first night and she never cries at anything and I think she cried about five times during it and I was like, oh, I've got the approval. Yeah. She's cried five <laughs> times. Two women sitting in front of us and uh, she was sobbing. Oh, was she? Yeah, she was sobbing. Did you guys see her? Mm -hmm. She gave you a standing ovation as well. She did. Oh, yeah. Thank you. People also <laughs> laugh. It's not all about the crying. I think like happens in really, really good comedic theatre when it's like this is hilarious and it's a really funny show but also yeah. it's really touching and poignant and it yeah. leaves you feeling so many things and you're like oh no I laughed so much but now I'm feeling all of these things yeah. ah. I think if you grew up in the 90s you're just gonna love it yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah. people I'm flaring to that don't remit like weren't born in the 90s <laughs> who are these so people I'm sorry if you, were, <laughs> if you were born in 20 I wasn't, I wasn't. No, that's why I chose you, huh? <laughs> This is it, but like, we're so old now that actually that trend's come back round. So like, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Let's have hog swaps again. <laughs> everything from the 90s is now like in fashion. Well, it's Amy's little choker that she wears. I know, right? Like, Isn't that like, fab? Oh, it's a stunner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those little touches. Remember yeah. the socks as well? We, we, we particularly love the Those socks. Those school socks. School that, socks I wore them to school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, I'm just putting them back on again. <laughs> You're jumping back. Yeah, it was like taking photos and sending them to my sisters, being like, flashback! <laughs> it's really funny because you say about the cinematic thingy, um, the image as well of the artwork done by Flavia uh, Fraser Cannon. Um, so it looks as well cinematic because we want to make sure that everything, yeah. you know, the marketing looks like the product you're going to get and you're gonna, not going to be surprised. It absolutely does look cinematic. Uh, so mm -hmm. we are planning a national tour uh, next year to follow the outbreak of um, the disease, of the crisis, of foot and mouth um, outbreak across England and Scotland. I know, right? Yeah. February 2000, right. Uh, 2021, it'll be 20 years. Wow. <laughs> so going across the <laughs> UK with that one, and we sent over the artwork to somebody and was like, oh, is it a film? film. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, maybe we need to make it look maybe. more real. <laughs> <laughs> it's theatre. <laughs> well, I'll be telling everybody when it goes on tour to go and see yes. it. Yes. <laughs> thank you. And thank for you. those of our listeners who are under 25, I strongly recommend you research Tamagotchis before you go. Yay! Yeah. 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 Tamagotchis! <laughs> So necessary. But Tamagotchis, I remember they were like the biggest development in technology. Oh, yeah. oh, I queued outside Toys R Us oh, with wow. my mum for three hours before it opened to get one of the Tamagotchis on some, the day it got released. Yeah. Yeah, like, I'm getting a splash of CK1 on you as well. Oh, yes. Tamagotchi yeah, CK1, <laughs> welcome to the 90s. Yeah. Oh, to go. Oh my god, yeah. Like, oh yeah. 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 Like, yeah, check me. <laughs> so, um, team, we only have about 10 minutes left, yeah. and hmm. I do have a question um, that kind of wraps up the podcast um, for each of you, and it's to tell us what you think or how you interpret the phrase being persistent and nasty and what that means to each of you. You can so take good. it in turn. Great question. Yeah. I don't know who wants to go first. So. I feel like Emma's going to be like, yeah, Emma's ready. I owe a lot to my mum. My mum uh, brought me up on that kind of question, uh, that kind of saying, uh, if you don't ask, you don't get. Great. And I ask. Yes. <laughs> and when I don't get, I'm slightly surprised now. <laughs> I'm like, what? 
Vyast, really nice, and with a really nice smile as well. Um, I think, uh, so I was born in England until the age of six, and then we moved to Israel, so I was there from the age of six till 22. And then I came back to London, and I was the direct person. And back in the beginning of the noughties, being direct as a woman, maybe didn't really gel. And I felt I needed to modify myself and be a bit more of the 50% British that I am. Um, yeah, it moves. It moves. <laughs> it is a lovely little pie chart that gets spilly on the sides whenever it wants to get spilly. Um, I think nasty and persistent is bloody believing in yourself and believing that if you feel that this is worth asking for and you know where you're going with that and you think that your product is worth it, fucking ask it. Love it. Do it with a smile. Yeah. There's no reason to be a bitch in this world. Exactly. But know what you're aiming to. And I feel like lots of conversations, especially with producers, uh, fellow kind of female producers and suddenly they go do you think if you were a man you would be in a different place in your career and the fact I don't uh, I don't really have an answer to that one the fact that it's even a question at the moment still mm -hmm. fuck that sorry I've gone very effing and blinding at the moment fuck away okay, <laughs> <laughs> fuck just having to run out keep going cool. <laughs> yeah um yeah, I suppose I think I think similarly. Um, I really, really like the phrase as well because nasty is just such a like um, tasteable word. Yeah, um, claiming it, bitches. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it is that reclaiming it. It's that yeah. don't be nasty that you're told over and over and over again. Yeah. And it's the willingness to not apologise for yourself or not apologize for your opinion or your existence or um, to, to say and stand up and say, that's, that's not right. What's happening there isn't right. And I'm not gonna just accept that it's happening because you know someone's gonna tell me that I'm being silly or stupid or feeling too much. Um, and, and yeah, and, and sort of standing up and asking for things. Um, and I think that it's something that is really tricky. And I love it as a phrase, but I also think that like every day is a day of like trying, you know? Mm. I'm not born persistent and nasty, but I will goddamn try. <laughs> um, or any of us yeah. can do. My sister's great at this. She was, she's like born with it, you know? She'll meet people on trains, she'll chat to them, they'll become best friends, she'll start, you know, making something with them. She, she makes documentaries and she's just, it's so naturally her to be persistent and outgoing and gregarious and ask for those things and keep on asking for them but for me it's it's, it's more of a, a challenge but I think that's an actor thing as well or an actress thing actually uh -huh. yeah I think that there's something the way the society is and how patriarchal it is that there is something in us that if we ask for it too much it's like oh begging oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's like oh, no 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 let's like but the men do it and yeah well oh, the men don't they, ask they just get it. they just they just yeah. take well, i think that's the difference yeah mm. this is it. Right. Yeah, and that's it. And absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what is fascinating though? This is ever so slightly off topic. Not at all. But um, a friend Nothing is off topic. <laughs> <laughs> a friend of mine runs runs a theatre company, and she um, did a call out for submissions for for shows, and um, they they had uh, many 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 men write in with with show submissions, and, and a handful of women as well. And um, that first of all, that sort of um, 
difference in how many men there were and how many women there were even applying was massive from because they are an all-female company and they're promoting female voices um and then the response to how they sent out their, their very nicely worded email saying thank you so much for your submission we really loved these things about it but unfortunately we're not we're not going with you this time um and the women were just so appreciative of the opportunity to have their work read and to get like responses from it and then the men were like oh well are you sure yeah. I feel did like you want to read it again? Because I thought that actually it would really draft. work for yeah. this. And then the people that they did say yes to, the women were so excited, so happy, so appreciative again. And then the men were like, yeah, cool. Thought so. <laughs> you know? But yeah, I, I think it's that. about I think it's about actually taking something from that and going, okay, well if they really feel, you know, that that much like they their their voices of value, then why should I not feel a little yeah. bit of that as well? Um and, you know, they could quite right, absolutely quite rightly feel that way. Their work could be incredible. Mm. Um, but women just aren't taught to feel that our work is incredible. Do you think that's still the case now? I think it's changing, but I think that it's think so it's embedded it's so, from such a young age that yeah, it's hard absolutely. to. Yeah. And it's hard to, to kind of feel like, be comfortable with doing it. Because, like, sometimes when you look at, like, forms sometimes and are you a minority but that's and then sometimes you'll have like fame yeah. refugee woman and like you just go but well, one second we're 51 percent of the whole uh world's population why should but i think i think it's about how how do you raise up voices that haven't haven't been heard and and find it harder to get access to being heard how do you raise that up and of course it's always a balancing act and at some point you hope that you can just make it a level playing field mm. and I think that it is also super important to include in the conversation the fact that there are incredibly talented men and, and that it should never be about kind of using those terms of like cisgendered middle class white man in a derogatory way just as that's time kind of tends to be the default and yeah. it's about changing our focus changing our gaze um to look at the other people and to say hey let's let's raise up these voices and hopefully hopefully we will get to a point where we won't be having this conversation yeah, exactly mm-hmm. exactly there'll be no need for us yeah. exactly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all yeah. our money oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's about still a lot of work yeah. to be done yeah. 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 So you've got to keep on ploughing on yeah um, Emily for you what does it mean to be persistent and nasty well I don't really know how to follow that actually. yeah I know yeah. I was just sat here thinking I know um, such clever I, women yeah <laughs> wow. this is it this is it I, I'm, I am so inspired every day by just being around these women because oh, yeah. because they are nasty and persistent. Um, and um, I mean, like him, I wasn't brought up um, to be that. I grew up in a very patriarchal household and um, the way my brother and I were treated and encouraged to behave was very different. So I've had to really grow into that. Um, so, and it's funny because even the words, I love that you're reappropriating it because, you know, it's derogatory nasty, persistent. You don't call a man persistent. You don't call a man nasty, just like you don't call a man feisty, you don't call a man bossy. Bossy. Because what you're doing is you're going, as a woman, you're an exception to a rule. Most women are nice, you're nasty. Most Mm. women are uh, passive, you're feisty, you know, most, or bossy or whatever. So it's really interesting. I mean, it's great we're using those terms, but I think it is incredibly depressing that those words are the words that exist because they're so gendered, even if people think that they're not. Um, And so I think 
to be nasty and persistent, it, the, the phrase still means that I'm a woman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's great because I really believe that um, we do need positive bias. We need to encourage uh, people of colour, people of disabilities, people of different um, sexual orientations, gender, everything. And we need to fill in those forms and encourage those people because until until other people are given a voice, we can't get to a point where people are just people. Um, so, I mean, my hope is that actually eventually the phrase nasty and persistent doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Um, which isn't quite the kind of fighting talk that Emma was giving, which I totally agree with as well. <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? It's like, and as long as these words exist and are just applied to one sex, then, then we're still different, yeah. you know? And it's bullshit. It should be about the product, you know, the work that we're making. Like, you know, and I do find like I mean, it's interesting that I have I sent this play around Bobby and Amy around everyone, and I had lots of meetings, lots of people who said that they loved it, but I couldn't get it on. And so I suppose I am being nasty and persistent because I went fuck it, I'm going to do it myself. Do you know? What? I was just thinking that as you as you were talking, I was yeah. thinking Emily is the definition of persistent. <laughs> do you know? But, but it's that sort of working away yeah. and absolute dedication and commitment to something that you know in your bones is a really fucking good project and it should be seen and it should have a life but um, it just takes a lot longer to get there and it takes you know an incredible team like this coming together and doing it off their own backs mm, mm. and the, that kind of nothing is going to be handed to you no. um, and in some ways feeling like you know no one's going no one's going to give you a helping hand and so you find people who who you can bring around you and you find yeah, yeah exactly exactly which is amazing i particularly found that when i started off as a director so i started off as a director and i literally wrote my first play rainbow in order to give myself directing work because i couldn't get any um and then obviously I came to the fringe and suddenly I was a writer. And it's funny, people find it much easier to accept me as a writer than they do as a director. Mm. You know, mm. um, I've had the same accolades for both jobs. Mm. However, immediately I was jumped on as a writer, an emerging voice, da 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 da. And I was like, well, I fucking directed the play as well. Yeah. yeah. But no one's noticed. And I've really struggled to get work. And it's only as I've slowly grown lines on my face <laughs> and looked a bit older that people are going, oh, okay, maybe she can run a room now. But I remember going into interviews and being told by directors that, um, oh, you're not, inexperienced, you're not experienced enough. And then they would hire someone younger than me, less experienced, probably Oxbridge, who happened to be male. <laughs> or they'd tell me I wasn't experienced enough, then they'd ask me out on a date. Oh. Like, that's genuinely happened. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I'm trying to... But it's that belief that if I walk into a room as a director, it is getting better. But if I walk into a room as a director... I have to prove myself worthy to run that room. Mm. If a man walks into the room as a director, he has to prove himself unworthy. Do you know what mm. I mean? Like, otherwise people are just going to assume that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. But that's also what I think is so exciting about being at the Fringe. Like, there are so many women that I yeah. know here. Oh, yeah. Hashtag women, women of Fringe. Yes. Thank such... you, Drowning Play. Oh, yes. 
such incredible theatre. I mean, can we do some shout outs to yeah, things? Yeah, but yeah, 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 so we saw I'm a Phoenix Bitch the other night and today? just I love Bryony Cummings. She's, she's so good. incredible yeah. and so brave. So brave. So That's brave. nasty and just persistent. In, yeah, that is nasty and persistent. In, just in awe of what she does. Mm, and, yeah. you know, um, people like The Last of the Pelican Daughters, that whole wardrobe ensemble and Helena, who, who directs a lot of their stuff, is amazing. And just women who reach out to other women and support each other. And that is such an exciting place to be at the Fringe. And, yeah. and you see, you're so inspired by the way that other women do. Yeah, we could literally keep talking. I just, sorry. Guys, <laughs> we're just like, we're 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 so Katie. No yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I have to finish. Oh, no. Um, so when Emily was talking about kind of um, reclaiming the words persistent and nasty, it reminded me of a discussion that I had with my two brothers. I have two older brothers at Christmas, and they were talking about the word bossy, and it was me and my brother's girlfriend uh, were talking to both of my older brothers, and they were like, bossy isn't a gendered word. And they were Fuck off. absolutely... <laughs> <laughs> Said Emily, sorry. Literally, no. but, but we were like continuing to discuss this with them and debating this with them, and they were just like... They just couldn't couldn't understand it on any level. And I just turned to Emily, my brother's girlfriend, and I just went, I just don't think they get it because they're men. Mm. <laughs> I was like, I just don't yeah. think they can understand this. Yeah. And it was kind of that idea. One of my New Year's resolutions this year was to stop apologising. Um, mm. Apologising for stuff that I was like, this doesn't need apologising yeah. for. Um, just kind of on the grounds of, oh, being British and apologising and all of that, and being a woman and apologising for taking up too much space, or think? being too loud, or all of that kind of stuff. And I think reclaiming the words persistent and nasty really goes for my New Year's resolution of not mm. apologising. It, it really agrees with that. Thank <laughs> you. Um, just yeah. Yeah. Sorry, we are so we are so out of time. I'm sorry. I, I no, need no, no. to cut off because the chat's been so good. But I do want to give you the chance just to say again where the show is, what it is, where people can buy tickets, etc., etc. Great. So it's Bobby and Amy. We're on every day until the end of the Fringe Bar, 12th of August. Don't come then. It's an empty space. <laughs> Come if you want to see empty spaces, if that's your thing. Uh, we're at 12.45. Buy the tickets at www.bobbyandamy.co.uk and you can see us on Twitter, on Facebook and on Instagram at Bobby and Amy Play. And we're at the Pleasance Courtyard. Did we say that? I don't know. Pleasance Courtyard. Pleasance Courtyard, everyone. Emma, Kim, Emily, Katie, thank you so much for joining thank us. Oh, thank, thank you for having us. We love you. Thank you. We have been recording from the Assembly Club Bar. Thank you very much to Danny, Sharon, Chris and Connell from Assembly. You can buy tickets for Assembly shows at assemblyfestival.com. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. And until next time, stay nasty. nasty.